A conversation can change the way you think, how you feel, or even what you believe. So no matter what the conversation's about, it's not for nothing. Hello and welcome to Not For Nothing. I'm Kyle Leon Henderson and my pronouns are he, him, his. And today I'm joined by writer, book blogger, and vintage seller Mandy Shannara. Hello, Mandy. Hi. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And if I may ask, what are your pronouns? She, her, hers. I love it. I love it. So this is a brand new... The reason I get so excited about it is because it's a brand new facet of the show. I am, I'm, ta- I, I do, I'm doing it for... Pride Month, but it's going to go forward. This show will always have my pronouns announced, and my guests will always be politely asked what they prefer to go, what their preferred pronouns are, and that's it. Because I want to be a part of the solution in this country, and not the turning a blind eye to the problems. So there we are. Thanks for asking. Absolutely. Um. So it's Pride Month. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. Uh, how Are you doing anything for Pride? Are you feeling anything for Pride? Or as my most, my busiest friend, I think, possibly, you, <laughs> do you even have time to look up from your work? Oh, gosh, yeah. Uh, so I usually do something every year. Uh, well, not last year because, you know, 2020 Obviously. being what it was. Uh, but there is a pride skate tomorrow night at the local roller rink uh, really? from like 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. And when I went last time they had it in 2019, there was like a ton of people mm-hmm. and it was so much fun. And it was like, you know, both queer people I know who skate all the time, you know, who are maybe they go to the rink all the time or they usually go to the skate park and don't often go to the rink. They were there. And then it was, you know, queer friends who never skate at all you know trying it out for the first time because the rink was like hey we're having a queer skate night we want to celebrate pride so come on and what a peaceful place to like try something new with your community like that yeah exactly well I didn't realize this oh and first I want to say before before we go forward with because you're in Columbus Ohio um yes do how's COVID there how is the restrictions how Um, are the numbers good are y'all getting kind of back to normal Yeah, things are definitely opening up slowly but surely, and and the vaccination rate in the city is pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, There are still some, like, rural counties in Ohio that are not taking the vaccine at the rate that uh, we would like for them to. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know, it's so wildly different from the cities to, like, the very, very rural areas. Yeah, it really is. But I'm glad. I mean, when I go out around here, you know, it seems pretty okay yeah um we are in la the just is what's today the 17th two days ago uh recording the 17th um we two days ago they they ended everything they've lifted the mask mask mandates they have lifted the restrictions on how many people the capacity limits and stuff in in uh establishments um people are still wearing their masks in stores but there's a lot of people taking their masks off and having a good time outside and, and i'm i'm really we're, we're just all feeling it out what what feels right to you because like i had to go by ethan's work yesterday and i walk in ethan's not wearing his mask at work and the lady that cuts my hair uh is not wearing her mask and her guest is not wearing her mask but then there's another 
stylist who is wearing his mask. And I was like, okay, well, that's, you know, that's good. Whatever, whatever feels right to you. Cause everybody was vaccinated in that space anyway. But, um, I didn't realize this though, that Columbus was such a hotbed for pride. Like it is a big pride. Um, oh, yeah. cause it's huge. last, last week's episode with Alex Kim Yon, uh, they said that they used to, cause they lived in, um, in Columbus for 10 years and they were like, it's so big. And I was like, really? I'm very pleased with that. I would love to come to Columbus Pride. Um, but yeah, so you are going to do, are you going this week to do um, the skate, the queer skate? Yeah. So I, I guess like my relationship to Pride has like changed over the years and where like I used to just go to like the big march and the, like the parade, you know, where it's like everybody kind of goes and now it's like a seek out more like localized events mm-hmm. that are more relevant to my interests and maybe have fewer people and not just because the pandemic but also I have really bad anxiety I take medication for it every day so mm-hmm. I don't feel super comfortable in crowds so yeah. like and and you know you're kind of like hemmed in when there's a parade and it's like you know I, yeah. I don't so the parade kind of stresses me out. Like I'm thrilled that it exists and I want mm-hmm. it to keep existing. And I'm yeah. not saying I wouldn't try to go to it in the future, but um, I just personally enjoy the more like individual one-off events throughout mm-hmm. Pride Month uh, so much better than right. the one parade. Well, that's fantastic. I, I love that. And, and that's something we have found. I've found this is my fourth episode because there are four weeks in June that I remember that I'm recording. Um, but that, that seems to be, I guess it's something about getting into your thirties. I don't know. Cause everybody that I talked to was in their third. Well, actually, no, that's not true. Uh, Kyle Griswold two weeks ago. Um, he said that he, he's only 24 and he, he also is kind of like wants to do a little bit more of a curated experience of pride. And I, and I think that's wonderful, but now I want to pivot a little bit and get into what, I, I didn't even mention it at the top of the show because I just ran right into it. You are, you identify as bisexual. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Uh, I started identifying as bi in high school, though I didn't, I wasn't like super public about it then because right. you know, this was Alabama. Uh, <laughs> it didn't feel super <laughs> safe. And I was already like bullied a lot for being like a weird artsy kid mm-hmm. and whatnot. So I just, I didn't, what I, I had at the time, I didn't have a desire to bring more <laughs> trouble to myself than I already had. Well, um, and it was it's a it's a game. It's it's the it's yeah. the, the fine line of the 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 weighted game that you have to play in Alabama. How much do I tell, and how much do I honor myself, and how much is self preservation? How much yeah. is worth the risk? You know, and the older you get, the risk it the risk seems smaller the older you get. But when you're in high school, that's hard. Um, yeah so like I officially came out as bi in college and like what made me feel safe to do so was like I wasn't living at home anymore you know and nobody from my high school went to my college so even though my college was in Alabama it was like I I felt like I had this opportunity to like I don't even want to say reinvent myself because I was like the same me. I was just able right. to be open about it. Maybe peel so, away some of the thing, some of the masks you put on over the years kind of thing and, and yeah. stop wearing that mask and just present as you truly wanted to be, which is fantastic. Yeah. Cause that's how I met you. I met you at your truest self. 
Um, and that's wonderful. And and like you said, in Alabama, you went to, you went to school in Birmingham, and that's a conversation I have a lot here in Los Angeles. That I'm like, well, let, Birmingham's pretty liberal, and they're like, and they're like, oh yeah, it's liberal for Alabama. I said, no, it's liberal for for America. It's a yeah, it's a true liberal city. It's not the liberalist of the conservative space. I said, it's we we have liberal ideologies in Birmingham, and they run on a liberal platform. So it it was a safe space. That's where I, you know, came out and, you know, took off my masks, too. You were at Birmingham Southern College. I was at University of Alabama, Birmingham, UAB. Um, And that's how we met, because you were actually the very best friend in all the world of Ethan, which we've talked about this before, but you're Ethan's bestie. Yeah. And uh, I do want to say super quick also before and after that, I have a funny story about Ethan. Oh, my God. Uh, and tell. coming out. <laughs> um, OK, so first, I just want to say that, like, I identify as bi because that was like the first label that kind of I was like, oh, there's like a label for people like me. But I've kind of since realized that I'm actually more pan mm-hmm. um, and that's like a more appropriate term uh, or more accurate term. Yeah. But like I still say bi just because it's like the term is very close to my heart, mm-hmm. you know, because it was like, wow, the first time I heard it, I felt seen and understood and right. it felt like home. Uh, whereas like, obviously nothing wrong with identifying as pan. Uh, I just learned about that, you know, several years later and right. after I'd already like developed this attachment to being <laughs> bi. So what it, what is uh, gender and sexuality, if not deeply confusing topics? Right, exactly. <laughs> you know? But I have a funny story about Ethan. So uh, when we were, so Ethan and I went to elementary school together. Mm -hmm. And so we were in school together from K-5 to 6th grade. And obviously that's where we became friends. And I remember I had a crush on a girl in my class, our class. And I told Ethan when we were like 12 in sixth grade, and I was like, Ethan, I think I have a crush on this girl. I I don't even want to say who it is because she's actually terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were protecting her. You're like, nope, it's all embarrassment. I don't want anybody to know. (laughs) No, she's just a not great person. And so, but what 12 year old has great taste? But anyway, so I told Ethan, like, I really I have a crush on this girl and his eyes get big and he goes but Amanda you'll go to hell and we went to this like you know fundamentalist baptist elementary school so like that was a like expected response and like you know so like right and you know he like did not think anything of it that was just like natural reaction so years later in college when he came out I was like Ethan do you remember telling me I was gonna go to hell because I had a crush on a girl and he was like no did I say that and I was like yeah (laughs) and he felt so bad but I think it's funny now you know well to his to his detriment I remember everything and he remembers nothing so we have those moments a lot I'm like do you remember this he's like no and I'm like well it did happen (laughs) but as our beloved Maya Angelou says, when you know better, you do better. And that's, <laughs> I think that's the LGBTQ community altogether. We are just out here. I mean, as a whole, I would like to paint us as a, as a wide, with a wide brush of we're all out here trying to know better and do better day by day. We're not saying we're doing it perfectly. And we definitely have some people who need to take a crash course masterclass on how to be a good LGBTQ community member 
because some of them need some training, some home training, as we would say in Alabama. Um, so yeah, I remember when you, um, when you started for the first time, when I, it was very early on in our relationship as friends that you started dating a woman and I was like, okay, like that feels good. And it was interesting because I was talking to Kyle Griswold two weeks ago. And then last week I was talking to Alex. Kyle is a transgendered man and Alex is non-binary. And I was telling Kyle, I was like, I just cannot fathom you being anybody else, but who you are and who you're presenting yourself to me right now or to the world right now. And I said the same thing about Alex because they went into this whole, um, this whole journey of how they were trying to find their identity. And that's how they landed at non-binary because they had, and this is something that we talked about on the show. So I'm not speaking out of school. Their name at birth, their given name was Bianca, which they said admittedly was a cool name, but didn't feel right. And then they, and then when I met them in college around the same time I was meeting you, they went by V and it was just interesting. And I have a point to this extremely long story. It was just interesting that, when Alex sort of took on that name as their identity, it just felt right. Like I was like, wow, that's it. That feels, I mean, it just, it just resonates with me. That's who you are. Alex spelled A-L-Y-X. Um, but it's interesting that when you started dating that woman, it didn't, it didn't feel like that for me. It did not feel like that's who she is, but it felt right. Like it just, just thinking about it, it felt right that you had, I had known you with men, I had known you with women. And I'm like, that feels right. That feels like a right path for her. But it wasn't like, oh, she's a lesbian. That feels right. It was just like, it feels right that she's trying with this person. This person seems like a cool person for her to try it with. So that's just, you know, I just like pointing out that when you find it, the world even recognizes that around you without even having to have the conversation. So, yeah, I but, don't think a single person was surprised when I came out as bi. That, like, when I like officially came out, they're kind of like, oh, we knew that. And I was like, wait, how'd you know? Like, who told you? And they're like, oh, n- nobody told us. Like, we just knew. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Right. I feel like for me, that was sort of the first time I really acknowledged like the neo standards of like it didn't it wasn't like you had to take off a hat and put on another hat. That was the you were the first person that that sort of experience happened to me like, okay, yeah, she's just doing her thing. I think it also helped that you went through a lot of phases of finding your creativity in college, too, where you were. We were at Bottle Tree a lot and we were, you, you did, you always had the projects to find who you were. And I'm like, and I was always really jealous because you just, you would take on anything with conviction and just do it. And that's what led you to hear you were now writing a book about skating and because you tried it and fell in love with it and did the work to become an expert. And so I, I love that. But um, how do you feel about pride for yourself, because I know that a lot of people sort of say they have a, a weird relationship with pride as bisexual people. Um, is that true for you as well? Oh, yeah. I I do have a weird relationship with pride because I feel like, and I know I'm not the only bi person who feels this way. I 
I don't know. It's like if we happen to be with someone who is, you know, if, if we're in a heterosexual presenting relationship, then mm-hmm. we don't feel queer enough to be at Pride. You know, or right. like, I, so, I mean, for several years, uh, you know, I've been with the same male partner who I'm now married to, mm-hmm. and it's not like getting married to this man made me any less bi, like, I'm so, right. <laughs> you know, it's not like, you know, my attraction to women changed, um, but for a little while after he and I started dating, it was like, oh, like, is there... I don't know, are people going to look at me weird if I go to yeah. Pride, you know? Or, like, is it weird if I go to Pride with my partner, who is very obviously a cis man, you know? Mm-hmm. Are people going to assume I'm, like, a straight crasher or whatever? Yeah. Um, or, like, and I know that there's conversations around, like, whether straight people should go to Pride or not. I personally think, you know? Yeah, why why not? Why not go to mm-hmm. the parade? You know, especially since the parade is like very right. public and very much for everybody. Like maybe don't go to like, mm-hmm. you know, a, a ticketed event where, you know, there's a limited number of spots. You know, maybe don't take up that space. Yeah. But if it's like a very public, mm-hmm. you know, demonstration of love, why not be there as an ally? But anyway, that's just my two cents. So there have been times where I have Oh, I totally like I, agree. Yeah, there have been times where I felt like I wasn't queer enough to be at Pride, and, you know, I really debated whether I should be there or not, and so there's, like, that aspect Mm -hmm. of it, and then there's the, I have a lot of anxiety, and I'm very socially anxious, and being in crowds really sets that off, and, you know, I'm kind of a, like, jeans and t-shirt kind of person, like, if I have to dress up, yeah. It stresses me out and like, especially at the parade, you know, you see people who have like clearly put a lot of thought into their outfits, you know, and mm-hmm. like, I I don't know, like, I just don't want to do that. You know, there's obviously nothing wrong with it, but it, it yeah. stresses me out more than it brings me joy. And so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I always like, and I know like the whole point of pride is to be visible and be like out and proud and loud about who you are, and I love that, and I think there's a space for that. Um, but also being a queer introvert, you know, I constantly ask myself and the other you know queer introverts I know like, where do the quiet queers go? <laughs> you know, it's not like right. we're not proud of who we are. It's not like we're not you know openly queer. You know, but it's like we're also introverts and we're just kind of generally chill people who don't like large crowds, you know. And right. so, like, exactly. I think my concept of pride has changed a lot, too. Like, I used to really think of it as, like, you know, the one big day of the parade or the one month, you know. Mm-hmm. But then, like, I kind of got to thinking it was, like, if I go out to dinner with a handful of my queer friends, how was that not pride too? Right. You know, or if I go to a concert, you know, like I went to the Lizzo concert with like half the queers in Columbus. How was mm-hmm. that not pride, you know? And like, there are just so many times when I'm like the fullest expression of myself being completely who I am with people I know who understand. And it's like, it's not like a big event. You know, it can be a small event, like at somebody's house. And that feels mm-hmm. like pride because it is. Yeah, I agree. And and that was something I've been talking about here on the show this month is 
Um, I've got a bit of a dad bod, and I and Ethan is not incredibly muscular. He's more skinny, and so both of those body types are not always fully represented in the in the LGBTQ community. And like, if you were to look at the posters for West Hollywood Pride, you would see these buff guys in speedos that are multicolored dancing, and that's all you see on the poster white cis gay men who have spent every living moment in their of their lives in the gym and that's it you don't see people of color too much you might see a black man on there as well you don't see asian men you don't see many brown men uh you don't see any women and you do not see any gender binary people you don't see you don't see the representation and so as much as we preach 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 all of the inclusion, there's not a whole lot of inclusion in pride when it comes to the marketing of it here in Los Angeles. Is that something that might possibly be true for Columbus or are they a better, do they do a better job including everyone in their marketing? Because that's, I mean, that's life. Social media and marketing is how you get the word out. It kind of depends. So Columbus Pride has been really interesting for the past couple of years because there used to be this one organization, Stonewall Columbus, that basically like organized the majority of the Pride events. And a couple of years ago, uh, four black queer people, you know, brought their Black Lives Matter posters to the Pride Parade mm-hmm. and, you know, were participating in that way. And Stonewall Columbus had them arrested. Really? Yeah, so they actually called the police on these four black queer people and if you look it up it's called they're called the black pride four and like they were fundraising for legal fees and there had been some like red flags with stonewall columbus before where it was Mm -hmm. like very clearly like you know like middle to upper class white people mostly cis men who are running the organization and like you know after the black pride four a lot of people rightfully so broke off from them Mm -hmm. and didn't want to support their events and their pride stuff anymore so now we have so now there's like stonewall columbus pride stuff and there's community pride stuff Mm -hmm. the stonewall columbus pride stuff is very like pro cop super white very cis Mm. you know not a lot of non-binary people mostly men whereas the community pride stuff is super diverse and Mm -hmm. like that is a testament to the legwork that community pride has done you know, yeah. in the community and working with like mutual aid organizations in town. Mm-hmm. And really it's, it's a coalition. Like there's like, whereas, you know, the Stonewall Columbus stuff is basically just that one organization. Community pride is a bunch of organizations together who support the mission of community pride and they all work together to right. make it happen. Well, and that is just so counterintuitive because that clearly lets me know that Stonewall pride or Stonewall Columbus they don't understand our own history as as a community because pride is pride is a anniversary celebration demonstration of the first moment at Stonewall when a black trans woman threw the first brick and that and so it was started by a person of color and also in our own community the most marginalized and the most in need demographic is trans women of color and so for you to 
whitewash the color portion at a moment when black people were being killed in the streets by cops left and right gay straight any kind of orientation the cops were just treating them with less respect so for their for them to believe that there's no space for just four men saying that black lives matter at a pride march shows that you have lost your way or you never had it to begin with yeah, and so. to be clear, it wasn't four men. It was, uh, you know, I think there was like uh, maybe two men, one woman, one See? non-binary and person. That's, and that's Several. something I want to highlight is that just my unconscious bias just there just came out. Like I just sort of saw Black Pride 4 and it just in my head, it was it just in my head, it automatically took form in my head of four black men and I don't know why but I just want to point that out that that's how unconscious bias works yeah. you don't even know you're doing it when you do it so yeah exactly we and have to just... say it out loud so that other people can feel comfortable to say it out loud and find their way back to the right so yeah yeah but I mean truly there is there's a particular audacity of Stonewall Columbus like using the name Stonewall yeah, and then exactly. like not paying homage to Marsha P. Johnson whatsoever and then especially like and I know that this is true for a lot of cities but Columbus in particular our police department has murdered I, I've lost count, but several mm -hmm. black people over the past, like, two to three years in cold blood. I mean, like, one guy was, like, putting the key in his lock in his house, and he was standing on his porch carrying his lunch, mm -hmm. you know, and they shot him. And then, I, you know, Micaiah Bryant was just killed on the south side a few weeks ago you know she had actually called the she was a teenage girl who actually called the police because a grown woman was trying to fight her mm -hmm. and you know she was just trying to go about her day so she called the police to help her and they showed up saw her with a knife which she was using to fend off the older woman who was trying to fight her right and shot her within 11 seconds of arriving and oh then gosh. casey Casey Goodson Jr. is Andre Hill. I mean, there are so many black people who have been murdered by police in Columbus. And so to for Stonewall Columbus to brandish the name Stonewall, Stonewall and then, you know, have the Black Pride 4 mm -hmm. arrested, you know, I it just show, it's an utter lack of just the lack of compassion, the lack of historical understanding, mm -hmm. just the complete and utter disrespect of it. Mm -hmm. well, uh, and that's, that's an, an, a lack of understanding of all the ways that marginalization has intersections between race and demographic and socioeconomic status and political stance pol or political leanings. There's just all of these intersections where you have to be and i mean if not even like out loud supportive just delicate enough to allow others to sit next to you because uh, walking across the edmund pettus bridge there were white people and and that's a good thing that we were marching with you but we're not gonna you know and i just i don't understand how people can be so narrow-minded and i do know people in my life and we call them the rope ladder gaze you've made it to the top and now you're pulling up the rope ladder because you don't need you're fine so what why why do i have to help others well because martin luther king said if there's not justice for all there's justice for none and that's it and so that's why we still do pride 
But at the same time, like we like we've talked about this whole month, it's kind of complicated because of of visibility, but also accessibility to certain people. And so that's that's why I wanted to bring you here. And you are like like you said, you're you're sort of you I want to get into this a little bit. You are not queer enough for gay pride. Uh, is is the is sort of the energy that gets maybe maybe it comes from inside out but I doubt it I doubt that there is a complete you know you have there is a portion I think that you have to just decide logically what you feel sometimes but also there's a lot of energy thrown at people that this is what's good and any deviation from that is not great even though we say it is yeah, it's so. it's complicated because like, you know, it, the question of where the pressure comes from or like where the idea that I'm mm-hmm. not queer enough to be at pride comes from, like is it internal or external? Um honestly, I would say it's more internal than anything, but it is fueled by external expectations. Mm-hmm. Um because like I said I'm married to a man, so if when people see me with my partner, they assume I'm straight and like I understand that that's a very logical conclusion, but I, you know, there are plenty of bi people, you know, and pan people mm-hmm. who are partnered with someone of the opposite sex uh, or, you know, not the same gender as them. And, you know, they might read a straight, but they're not, you mm-hmm. know, um, straight presenting does not equal straight. Right. And, um, and then also like my aesthetic, the way I look, I mean, obviously I know like the listeners can't see like, you know, three quarters of my head is shaved and then I have like mm-hmm. bangs. I don't shave my armpits or legs, which, and obviously like you can be queer without, you know. I didn't know that you like, didn't shave your armpits or legs anymore. Oh my gosh, there you are. Um, <laughs> she just showed me her armpit, everybody. Um, that's really, like, that's really liberating. I, I love yeah. that. And, like, I know that obvious, obviously there are super femme queer folks and that, you know, aesthetic is valid, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I'll admit that part of the reason I stopped shaving is because I was, like, nobody seemed, nobody when they look at me, and I don't wear makeup either, but, like, nobody when they look at me seems to clock me as queer. Like, even if I'm just in, like, mm-hmm. a t-shirt and jeans, you know? Like, so, I... I don't know, in a way started like getting more comfortable with like putting out these visual cues, mm-hmm. like, um, and that feels empowering and liberating to me personally. Yeah. I, I, I resonate with that because, uh, Alex on last week's episode, they said they do, a, they do a lot of things very calculatingly just because it seems queer and they like that. And I, I, I resonate with that because, I, I spent a lot of time, like, I think I might have changed a lot since the first time you met me to now, just because I had a lot of internal pressure and a lot of external pressure, too, to be masculine and to be that form of masculinity that was expected of someone who grew up in rural Alabama. And there came a point where I was just like, I want to really find who my true self is and find what, like, what do I, what feels natural, the way that I dress, the way that I do my hair, the way to do this. And that, I don't think that was even the correct decision or solution for me because sure, I did find a little bit more of a softer edge, but now it's okay to be like, I want to do something totally different. Even if it's not naturally something I would lean towards, I want to try it. And 
and put this on because like RuPaul says, we're all born naked and the rest is drag. And that just means we're, we're all the same and how you present to the world is your business. And honestly, the more queer you can be, the more fascinating you seem at times, but also the more you have the, uh, the tools at your disposal to tell your story. And that's what we all have to do. We have to tell the, tell our stories and share because I, I, for the first time, I never thought in my life I would say it out loud that I am polyamorous, but I did on the show because what if someone needs to know that you don't have to be in a polygamous relationship to be polyamorous? What if they didn't know? What if they yeah. knew that I'm in a monogamous relationship with polyamory leanings and that's okay because that's my story. So, yeah, you and know. like, I know that one's, you know, personal style or aesthetic does not change their sexuality and you can, you know, be a very, you know, traditional appearing person and still be queer as hell, you know, mm-hmm. but like, I feel like I'm at a point in my life where I have the ability and the confidence and frankly, the privilege to like queer my yeah. body in a very literal way, in a way that I didn't feel safe or comfortable to doing before mm-hmm. and you know there's nobody in my life now who's going to give me shit about it right and so it's like why not you know be the fullest expression of myself and after you did start embracing the 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 more uh, the ability to be to have a more queer presenting exterior did you were you mad like I know you I know that you don't care one bit what people think like if like if it's constructive from a person of love you might consider it but you don't care about aesthetic aesthetical opinions like I don't like that top well I don't give a damn because I do that you know that's your that is the wonderful way that you present the world but this conversation proves you're not a bitch about it or this or that it's just like respectfully I don't mind if you like it or and- not but here's the thing I, you, people in my life now know better than to even comment right like it's it's because it doesn't matter and i think that's something we learn when we get older the little things just don't matter like so what if your hair's messed up who's it hurting um but did you were you met when you started taking on these these moments and these these decisions like not shaving your armpits or not shaving your legs were you met from strangers about sort of a heteronormative societal you know opinion thrust upon you or did that just didn't even you don't or do you don't even notice (laughs) honestly I I have not noticed I mean part of it is you know I haven't really been that many places I mean until the past month you know but for the prior year and a half I hadn't really Mm -hmm. been out and about too much uh but also I mean I feel like at this point in my life, it's more important for me to just be who I am and let, here's the thing, you can't be what you can't see. And sometimes people like want to do something, but they don't even like know it's possible. So like, I feel like when I go out and, you know, no makeup, super short hair, you know, not having shaved, I feel like there are other women or, you know, other, you know, not non-men you know who might look at me and be like you know she's doing that and it looks pretty good you know like i want to do that or like so it's more important to me to like signal that this is possible right and i just want to say that out loud again you can't be what you can't see because i 
have been talking about that just naturally in my life and on Facebook, on Instagram, on social media, visibility. It we can't put too fine a point on how much visibility matters. So, um, like Chrissy Teigen right now, she she screwed up and she's visibly trying to make it better. And I'm like, well, that matters. So, but um, I want to talk about your husband if we can. Um, yeah, sure. How does your husband feel about being married in a monogamous relationship with a bisexual woman? Uh, well, he clearly loves it very much. <laughs> I, no, I mean, I kind of joke because, like, you know, it seemed like whenever I dated men before, it was like they'd find out I was bi, and they're like, "Oh, that's exciting," you know? Yeah, they just they lived out their full porn fantasies yeah. with you, and it's not, yeah, <laughs> or they did and, in their head. Yeah, and John was like the first guy that I'm like, "Yeah, I'm bi," and he was like, "Cool." <laughs> like it was, it wasn't a big deal, you know. That is so John. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> so John. I love it. It's not like he doesn't care. He's mm-hmm. just like, okay, yeah. Now, right I wonder, because John John did come from, because I've met John's family, and I love them dearly, and I have a very close bond with his father over history. <laughs> we love to talk battlefields <laughs> as much as we can. Um, but he did. it is a traditional setting. He's got one sister. He has two parents, still married, still love each other living in their, you know, the suburb-ish type community of Columbus. And um, no, so it's, it's pretty, it's in the city. Is it? See, I've only been yeah. once and I, um, but it's, it's houses. It's not like downtown city. There is a community feel, but I think there's probably yeah, a community yeah. feel to Columbus anyway. And I can't wait yeah. to come back and, and, and soak it in because Columbus sounds like the most amazing city, but y'all don't listen to this because y'all don't need to move there because they got enough people and it's perfect. So, <laughs> sorry, Columbus, I'm going to do that public service for you guys. Um, but I'm just saying his, his upbringing was fairly traditional, um, yeah. but he is not a traditional minded person. He is a very forward thinking person. Did, did being with someone like you who is queer and bisexual and pansexual and all of these things and just free as a bird did that help him to reveal anything or it was he just always who he was because he's always been sort of even killed and just the calm to your storm sometimes and that's important because ethan is the calm to my storm <laughs> uh, i mean if you're asking like if i had to teach him you know like things like how to be accepting the answer is no like he's always been super accepting and not that i mean for himself oh um like like you remember those glasses i remember he bought those big huge rimmed glasses and we were all just like those are fantastic like did did he start to sort of express himself differently because because he was with a woman who was so encouraging of everybody on earth to just express yourself fully you know what's funny is like one of the things that i really like about john is like he's just always been very confident and comfortable in his own skin and like you know and also Mm -hmm. obviously there's you know the privilege of being like a white cis straight male you know that you know partly embodies Mm -hmm. that uh, or emboldens that but also like he's just he's just very chill you know like he loves everybody and you know is like 
okay, like, you know, I'm, I'm doing my thing. You do your thing. I just want everybody to be happy. Like, and mm-hmm. he's just very calm. And he, he's, when you said he's the calm to my storm, that is absolutely the truth. I think he is a calm to the world's storm, you know, and he, I agree. That gave me chills when you said that, by the way, because I agree. That is John to a T. Like, he mirrors the energy that people need. Because every time we go on a video a video chat double date through Marco Polo or whatever, I'll say something, and then he'll come back, and he's just laughing hysterically. And I'm like, that's really all I needed. Someone to make me feel like I'm like Eddie Murphy and Whoopi Goldberg and Ellen DeGeneres and Amy Schumer all rolled into one, and he does. <laughs> yeah, I think in in so many ways we're a lot alike, but in some really vital ways we're complementary and kind of opposite too. Mm-hmm. And I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, I can't wait to get I can't well, I can't wait to be in the same city with you guys again and just to have some fun because I just I love that there are married couples, straight married couples, or I guess I'm trying to figure out the way to say it. Couples that are straight, <laughs> couples that are opposite sex marriage out there, but they I don't know how I don't know what I'm trying to say because that's I guess maybe that's the mark we need better marketing for bisexuals because that's the problem <laughs> nobody knows how to say it let's get well, some marketing and- on there because they need their day in the sun and I want to give it to them <laughs> well and part of the issue with being bi is that people automatically assume your sexuality based on who your partner right. is and so like you know unless they've known you for a long time and have seen you through multiple partners, you know, like you and I have known each other over a decade at this point. So, you know, you, mm-hmm. you would know that I'm bi because you have seen me with well, partners of multiple genders, you know, whereas like, I've seen you with a people... drink in hand and walking across the floor <laughs> at the club. Oh my God. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but it's like people who just like see a bi person with their partner at any given moment, like they're, they're going to assume they're either straight or gay, you know, like nobody mm-hmm. like is yeah. going to say like, Oh, you know, this, this, you know, woman is with the man. Maybe they're bi, you know, like nobody j- jumps to that as like the well, first conclusion. I really hope that we can get to a place where we assume that everyone's story is more complicated than what you're looking at on face value. Because Kyle Griswold, two episodes ago, he told me he is, uh, he's a trans man who is, um, who is romantically straight and by bi- and sexually bisexual. We got into the proclivities of Alex and their labels uh, in their in their episode last week, and it's just like. I'm finding that everybody has way more nuance than what you see. And I hope that people can just get to that place where we assume that even uh, straight couples, actual straight couples, not meaning you and John, but actual straight couples, there's probably more nuance in there than, than you, that meets the eye. And so we should just get to that place where we don't assume one thing and also don't put an opinion on things that don't matter to you. Or that don't yeah. affect you. There's I'd love to a get reason. to that space. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason the Kenzie scale is a scale, you know, and the, you know, right. there is a gender spectrum. You know, we need to break the binary for both gender and sexuality. Right. And that's break it. all the binaries, and, frankly. Oh, uh, 
that that that's what it is. But it's hard because you know we live in a world that elects Trump sometimes. So that, but that's all I'll say about that in Pride Month. Um, but yeah, so I just I love that. So what uh, if there were one if you were going to give like a thirty second TED talk about what people need to know based on your perspective of being bisexual and what Pride means to you? What would you say? I would say don't assume someone's sexuality based on their partner or the way they look because you truly never know and assumptions really do just make an ass out of you, you know. Uh, and also, <laughs> it's okay to be a queer introvert. It's okay to not be loud. It's okay to not like crowds. It's okay to, you know, not mm -hmm. bedeck yourself in rainbows from head to toe, you know, if you don't even like bright colors. Like, you mm -hmm. can be queer and be whoever you are in your most comfortable way of expressing that. And I would encourage people to find other queer folks who are like them. So if you're an introvert, find the queer introverts, you know, and that way you have your community and you feel supported and empowered and seen and heard and understood, but you don't feel pressured to conform to the larger queer culture. Because like the whole to me, the beauty of pride is it's saying, you know, we are not going to conform to, you know, compulsory heteronormativity. We're not going to conform to, uh, you know, the, you know, husband, wife, 2.5 kids and a dog and a white picket fence. You know, mm -hmm. we're not going to, you know, adhere to these stereotypes and the standard that has been set before us as the norm. So it's kind of like, why would you not mm -hmm. then, you know further so it's like why would you if you you know are an even further marginalized queer person or if you're an introvert and your personality doesn't jive with you know dancing in the street you know why would you then try to make yourself conform to the like traditional pride person too you know you know what i'm saying like yeah. the whole point is to be mm -hmm. yourself and not conform so don't force yourself into because sometimes uh, the general pride can feel like a big box that you're trying to fit yourself into. And there are so many other ways to mm -hmm. celebrate yourself and who you love without having to do that in a way that really honors who you are. Right. And I kind of feel like, it, I, I, as you were saying that, I was kind of thinking, because I always put things in terms of history, because I have a history degree, and it's just how I... I, I love a timeline. I love, you know, I love that linear journey of a group of people. Um, and as you were saying that, it just kind of came to me that, like, maybe it is a pendulum swing. Because in the 50s when, you know, everybody was just so Beaver Cleaver, kind of, you know, June Cleaver and Ward and, you know, on the Main Street, we needed as a queer community to prove to people for our own safety that we can be normal. We, our, our relationships look like your relationships. And then after that kind of came about, we needed to prove to people that we can be wild and that's okay too. And we can be, you know, we can have the party and it's okay because you, you don't have to come to the party, straight people. You don't have to do that. And now I think the pendulum, we are partying. We're like, we, we've earned the right to party, so we're partying. And now I think maybe even Gen Z is coming up to like say, look, we don't have just one label sometimes and that's okay and sometimes we like to wear mom jeans despite the fact that the millennials hate it because we fought so hard to show our bodies and be positive about it 
maybe it's just we're getting to a place where we're evolving because everything else is evolving in this world and we just need to you know if we don't like something about it we have to just present the way that we want it to be you know present to the world the world you want to see and it'll catch up and i think maybe that's what's happening right now that because everybody seems to have a little bit of a complex relationship with pride and maybe that's why because pride is evolving but we have to stay diligent because we have to let it evolve in the in the correct hands or else we'll have a stonewall columbus situation Yeah. And to me, this kind of gets back to the whole you can't be what you can't see thing. Mm -hmm. And like our generation, you know, millennials in particular, and, you know, every generation that comes after us is very fortunate in that, like, you know, we grew up in the age of the internet. So it's like, they're, first of all, we, you know, we're easily able to figure out, you know, perhaps as teenagers and on up, that like, you know, maybe not from like young, young, youth but Mm -hmm. you know we were able to figure out that not only do queer people exist all these various types of queer people exist you know and it's there's not just one monolith of queer person um and like so you and especially social media is you know very democratizing in that way and so as we're evolving we're seeing you know a cornucopia of queer people in various expressions of themselves, you know, and we're Mm -hmm. able to see that. And so it makes sense to me that there are new labels being invented for, you know, very specific needs and identities and like new Mm -hmm. gender expressions and like ways of being in the world because we can better see what's possible. And I think that is a really good thing. Right. I agree. I completely agree. And I went a little too long because I have one more question before I want to move on to my last segment um, or my last piece. I want to talk about pansexual versus bisexual real quick because I kind of know and I sort like I kind of know every bit of it and I kind of know none of it kind of thing with that when it comes to that because they're essentially servicing the same people sometimes but what is the what is the difference to you? Yeah, so the term bisexual predates pansexual by, I believe, several decades Mm -hmm. and the thinking when bisexual the term was established as an identity was you know, based on what we now know is false, that there are two genders. And so you can, you know, if you're a bisexual person, you are attracted to both men and women. Mm -hmm. We now know that there are many, many more genders than that. And so you can be attracted to, you know, a wide variety of differently gendered people. Yeah. And so the term evolved, the term bisexual has evolved to accommodate that, you know, and like if you ask a forward thinking, you know, queer person today, you know, they, I think likely understand that, uh, though the prefix bi obviously denotes two, two. so it's still mm-hmm. kind of misleading. Whereas pansexual is a newer term, though again, still been around for a while. And it is, you know, an identity that says, you know, you fall in love with the person regardless of their sexuality or gender expression. So it, so pansexuality is really what, it is like bisexuals, you know, cooler, more forward thinking, more accommodating, Mm -hmm. younger, younger sibling, you know. 
Right. Exactly. That's that's it. And so you do you use both or do you because, OK, I, I will say that you I know that you are attracted to men and women. And so if that is the case, specifically men and specifically women, I guess bisexual would work. But do you, would do you sort of get into the pansexual of of um of gender doesn't matter to me so much? Yeah. And. Let me just like clarify that like when I fe- when I heard bisexual as a term for the first time and even like in college like I still hadn't really grasped the concept of like uh, breaking the gender binary and you know like I you know was in- yeah. introduced to the idea of androgyny in college and you know that's more of like an aesthetic that you know gender nonconforming people can you know, embody, but I hadn't really like, like in college, even the concept of like someone using they, them pronouns wouldn't have even occurred to me. So at the time that I like heard bisexual as a term and started identifying as it, I truly believed I was bisexual because I thought, oh, well, there's men and women, that's it. Mm -hmm. And I'm attracted to both. Um, But now, you know, I'm older and wiser and I know a little more. And so, and I realized that like, you know, I'd fall in love with the person, you know, not their body so or, you know, their expression. Yeah. So Pan is mm-hmm. truly more accurate. But again, it's complicated because I right. still feel like because I heard bisexual first and that, you know, felt I was like, wow, yeah, there's like a term that's, for me. You know. So I would say I'll identify right. as both these days because I'm I, I'm just hesitant to give up mm-hmm. bisexual as a term because it is deeply meaningful for me. Yeah, I mean, do you think that there will come a time when people just sort of stop taking on that label? Or do you think it'll just always be something that is useful for a time and then people take with them as a souvenir sort of thing a little bit in that way? Or... I do think it'll eventually fall out of fashion. I mean, think about how many terms for gender and sexuality have fallen out of usage over, you know, even the past couple of decades because we later learn that they are problematic, you know. And Mm -hmm. I feel like at present, bisexual is accommodating enough that I'm willing to keep it. Um, And partly because the community has done such a really good job of like reinventing its definition. Um, But I think eventually people Mm. will fall out of using it and will just say, you know, either pansexual or omnisexual. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, I want to go into just a little bit for the last few minutes we have um, what your life is happening. Because you're, like I said at the top of the show, you're one of the busiest friends I've got. And that's, that's no joke because you just went on a sort of regional tour for yourself for the research for your new book. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Oh, I sure do, because uh, I'm very excited about it. Yeah, so I'm a full-time writer, and also I sell vintage, but that's not relevant to the book. Uh, and I'm working on a book called... <laughs> Maybe the Midwest. next book, right? <laughs> who knows? Who knows? i got to get through this one first. <laughs> uh, I'm working on a book right. called Midwest Shreds, Skaters and Skate Parks in Middle America, 
And it started because I grew up going to the roller rink, so I knew how to roller skate, but I always wanted to go to a skate park, but I had never seen anybody actually skate ramps and roller skates until like, you know, 2018 on Instagram. And again, it's a, Mm -hmm. you can't be what you can't see. And so then once I realized, oh, this is a thing I could do, I was like, well, shit fire, I'm going to put on my roller skates and, you know, go get on some ramps. (laughs) So I did, and I fell in love with it, Mm -hmm. and it is my favorite thing to do outside my house. You know, I'm a little bit of a homebody because, again, full-time writer. You know, I spend a lot of time in front of the computer. I spend a lot of time with my nose in a book, but it feels so good to put wheels on my feet and then jump off some concrete surfaces and see how fast I can go and how high up I can get and it brings yeah. me a lot of joy. Well, I saw you the other day shredding, successfully attempting <laughs> to shred. I was like, yes. look at that. I can't believe it. I'm so excited. Yeah. And the reason I'm focusing on the Midwest for the book is because, you know, living in California, like Southern California, you know, is like skate mecca. You yeah. know, everybody, when you think of skaters, you think of Southern California. But mm-hmm. I, I knew from skating around Ohio, like there's some really cool places around here. And then I would, I went through two weeks of just Googling and just rabbit holing on the internet and finding all this rad info about skating in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And so, and I have to give credit to John because, you know, this was during the winter of the pandemic when, you know, there's really only like one indoor skate park in Columbus and it was super crowded and they weren't super enforcing the mask mandate. And I didn't feel safe going there before I was vaccinated. And so I was like losing my shit a little bit because I couldn't skate but I really, really wanted to. And so John was like, well, you know, since you can't skate right now, you should write about it. And sure enough, that was a great foresight on his part. And that was it. Yeah. And so I got very fortunate. I found a publisher. Uh, I will be turning in my manuscript in October of this year, 2021, and the book will be out in fall 2022. Right. Well, so that is a little bit of a ways away, but I, I can sense that people are going to be hungry for this. So if you are are wanting to stay in touch and everything, follow Mandy Shannara on Instagram. At, well, you have a handle for your shreds, don't you? I do. My like skate Instagram and where I'm posting the most info about the book is at Midwest Shreds. Uh, if you like books and cats, my like <laughs> personal account where I post less skate stuff uh, is at Off the Beaten Shelf. Off the Beaten Shelf. That's the, that's the classic. That one, she's been around for a long time and I've enjoyed every moment of it. Um, yeah, just talking about how you said uh, California is, you know, skate mecca. Somebody, I was at work the other day and uh, I, I've been very forthright about what my job is right now or my day job I'm, I'm va- helping to vaccinate it with core and I was at Dodger Stadium and we took up three different um, parking lots at one point and I had left my water bottle at the wrong parking lot and I was in a different one and I was like oh shoot and they've already turned the lights out and I said do you think it'd be okay if I went over to division b and got my water bottle and the guy has got the guy goes well just take my skateboard and I was like I don't skate and he goes what do you mean you don't skate and I was like I don't skate. <laughs> and he was like, how do you not know how to skate? <laughs> I was like, I just don't. And he's like, I'll go. And he took off on a skateboard. And and I was just like, I guess, you know, that I'll never truly be a Californian because I don't surf and skate. So 
but um <laughs> that's it so yeah well mandy i appreciate you coming on to talk about this with us because this has been something that i've been very excited about because I, like you said, if you can't see it, you can't be it. And we know that there is a nerdy little writer out there who identifies as bisexual in Columbus, Georgia, and she's writing a book. So let <laughs> Columbus, Ohio, not thing. Georgia. <laughs> did I say Columbus, Georgia? Oh my god! You sure did. No, I, I've just got the Alabama accent, but it's Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Maybe there's some kind of Freudian slip that will reveal itself in a, in time. She's not in Columbus, Georgia. Don't go to Columbus, Georgia. There's n- I, I just can't. I will not advocate for Columbus, Georgia, but I will advocate for Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> So she's dying. I'm like, oh my God, I screwed up her whole, her whole identity from saying she's from Georgia now. <laughs> she's way more interesting than Columbus, Georgia. Anyway, um, she also is on Twitter at Mandy Shannara. Is it Mandy Shannara? No, nope. It is at Fixed Baroque. Okay, let me just, I'm going to. I've had, I'm I've had take... the handle for so long. I need to like update it. But anyway, it's at F-I-X-E-D. B-A-R-O-Q-U-E and you Disney nerds who I know you're out there because Kyle is a Disney nerd will appreciate the reference it's (laughs) you know from Beauty and the Beast where uh, I believe it's Chips or not Chip uh, Cogsworth I'm just fucking this all up Cogsworth (laughs) says if it's not Baroque don't fix it there we go so okay that was a little bit of, um, I'm not going to edit that out, so that was a little bit of recording magic. So to recap, uh, her Instagram is at Off the Beaten Shelf, and also at Midwest Shreds. Those are her two Instagram accounts, and it's at Fixed Baroque on Twitter. So you should be following her because next year she's going to have a book that you're going to really, really want to read. And I will, like I said, I'll have her back on the show to promote it. But until then, thank you so much, Mandy Shinara, for coming on the show. And I hope that everyone will get their vaccinations. It's time to get those vaccinations so you can go out and live the life we've been missing for a year and a half. I hope that you'll wear your mask when you're asked to. Don't be a jerk. And I hope you will embrace this new beginning we are starting to experience. Happy Pride, Mandy. Happy Pride. I co-sign all of that, and thank you for having me. Thanks for coming. I'll see you next time, guys. <laughs>